following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Good morning. Well, <clears throat> we're back in our study of 1 Peter this morning. We're going to look uh, again at chapter 1. Verses 22 through 25, that's page 1014 in the Pew Bibles. Uh, over the last few weeks, uh, we've been looking into, uh, been looking at the arguments for holy living um, out of 1 Peter 1. Um, but during those studies, we haven't spent, uh, we haven't spent a great deal of time talking about exactly what holy living looks like. We've got the concept. Do it. Okay. How? <laughs> what does it look like? How are we supposed to do it now that the arguments have been made and we're thoroughly convinced, right? We need to pursue, pursue holy living, um, but we need to know how. Well, lucky for us, it's written right here in verses 22 through 25 of First Peter 1. Peter gives us the first step. Love. So let's look at that text and we'll pray and jump right in. 1 Peter 1, uh, verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory is like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful to be able to gather around your word this morning, either here in this place or online. Lord, I pray that uh, as we turn our attention to your word, your spirit would speak. That these would not be my words, but your words. We thank you for preserving your word for us. That we might hear it and obey. That we might be made more like Christ. That's our prayer, Lord. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So... Peter uses two different words or phrases here in these verses that we need to fully understand before, uh, before we can come to a place where these thoughts really make sense. And these two phrases are the truth and the word. The truth and the word. Now, that might sound simple, might sound easy to you. Peter is obviously talking about the Bible, right? We call it the word of God. We know that it's the truth. That must be what Peter means, right? No. No, it isn't. Don't forget that we are not Peter's original audience. We are Peter's audience, but we weren't the first ones. We weren't the first to receive this letter. Peter's original audience back in the first century had access to what we call the Old Testament, um, but may have only had access to a few letters of Paul and this letter from Peter. 
and that and maybe one or two of the gospels. And Peter isn't talking about any of that. So what could he be talking about? Well, the context here makes it clear, since we know now that he wasn't talking about the whole Bible as we know it, the truth that they obeyed and the word that was preached to them is the gospel, the gospel itself, the good news that Jesus died to save sinners like us. Peter says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth. Now, the purification of soul is only possible, only possible through faith in Jesus Christ. And faith in Jesus Christ is only possible through the preaching of the gospel. Our English text makes it look like uh, purification of soul is a done deal. And maybe this is the first time you've ever even heard this expression. But here in English, as we read it, it's in the past tense. Having purified your souls. Well, Peter didn't write this letter in English. He wrote it in Greek. And in Greek, it's not in the past tense. Past tense. Or the aorist tense, if you really care. You're welcome. (laughs) It's in the active tense. It's not past, it's continuous. It's happening now. It's continually necessary, the purification of our souls. A constantly needed purifying, a constantly laying aside of evil. This is the choice that we make day in and day out, moment by moment, to lay aside evil. This isn't Peter's declaration of what the church has already done. So, since you've purified your souls, now you can do this. That's not what he's saying at all. He's not declaring what they have done. He's declaring what they ought to do and continue doing. What we ought to do and continue doing. Continuously purifying our souls. Continuously choosing the good. Choosing to lay aside evil. And this is so important because the heart of holy living, which is a sincere and brotherly love, as Peter said here, is not possible without the continued purifying of the soul. And purity of soul consists in obedience to God, not just in in general, like, well, I follow the Ten Commandments for the most part, and so I obey God, right? But it's more than that. It's obeying the truth is what Peter says. Obeying the gospel. And obeying the gospel means having faith in Jesus. Trusting Jesus as the atoning sacrifice. The propitiation for our sins. He's the one that took our place. Faith in Jesus Christ is the primary way that we obey the truth and thus purify our souls. But that's not like, well, I remember when I was a kid and I, I prayed a prayer and I signed a card and I went down front, you know, and, the, and that was it. Well, no, it, it's not. It's a constant, we are con- continually choosing. Yes, we have faith in Jesus. Yes, we have trust in Jesus. But sometimes we just kind of forget. Stuff gets in the way. I, all right, yeah, Lord. 
sorry. You know, that happens, right? It, it, well, at least to me. I, maybe I'm the only, it's just me? Okay, well, don't worry about it then. <laughs> You're a bunch of liars. <laughs> Faith in Jesus is the primary way that we obey the truth and thus purify our souls, and that's a constant work. Jesus' work is complete, right? But we have to continuously choose faith in Christ. Matthew Henry wrote, Many hear the truth, but are never purified by it, because they will not submit to it nor obey it. Lots of people hear the truth. Lots of people have heard the gospel and say, "Eh, Maybe someday. I'm not ready yet. Right? And how many of you have had a conversation with somebody and you share the gospel with them with all the passion you can muster and they say, thanks, I'm good. You know, it's just many hear the truth but are never purified by it because they will not submit to it nor obey it. And many people mistakenly think, and maybe you're in this group, many people mistakenly think that faith in Jesus Christ, being born again, getting saved, is all just about getting into heaven. Like just, it's like a ticket for the train, you know? It's just when the train comes, you get on. All right. Hallelujah. I'm saved. I'm all set. Now I can sit and soak. Just wait, right, to be dead. Or, you know, Jesus comes back, right? Well, that's not, I I hope that's not you. I I hope this is just funny to us. I hope that is not you. Because that isn't it. It's not just about getting into heaven. And now I can just wait for that day to come. The clock is ticking, right? Of course, when we are saved, we're adopted as God's children. We are heirs of God's eternal kingdom. But there's so much to do before that time comes, right? We, there is, there's, there's so much to do before Christ returns or we die. And where does that so much to do start, right? We've talked about it. it's holy living, it's holy living, it's holy living. It's living obedience, obedience to the word, right? But where does that start? Brotherly love. That's where it starts. Holy living starts with brotherly love. It's funny that it's Mother's Day and we're going to talk about brotherly love. So that's siblingly love, I think, maybe is a more appropriate um, translation. Even in the Greek, uh, the, the word for brothers that gets used over and over in the New Testament is adelphoi, which doesn't mean men only. It is siblings, men and women alike. But siblingly love is hard to say. So, (laughs) we have been born again by faith in Christ, born of imperishable seed, born of God. So we ought to live and love in a manner worthy of God. And that imperishable seed that Peter says here is a, a fascinating little nugget because it there's a lot there there is a lot of theology in that 
phrase, imperishable seed. And what, what is that seed really? Uh, on the surface, we, we see that it's the gospel, right? I mean, the, the gospel is planted in your soil, and if you're good soil, it grows, right? Well, that's not, doesn't exactly equate. It's more than just the gospel. It's the grace of God that is all wrapped up in the gospel. I mean, that's, it's so much, it's so much bigger. It's the grace of God in the gospel that causes us to be born again. And the flesh is, is from the perishable seed. It withers and falls like flowers of grass. And some of you may be more keenly aware of this than others. Um, feeling the withering and falling away of your flesh, like physically. Happy Mother's Day to you. <laughs> You withering, old, falling flowers. (laughs) That's that's what our flesh does. It's what it's it's just the way it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Happy Mother's Day. You withering flower. (laughs) I'm glad my mother's not here. (laughs) There are. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Well, you drew the short straw, so here you are. (laughs) It's the glory, the glory of the flesh, like Peter says. All its its wisdom and strength and riches and learning and honor and beauty and art and virtue, all of those things are temporary, right? And those of us have experienced the vigor of our youth, Wayne. You know, all of those things pass away, right? Some of you are right in the in the midst of all all the glory you can handle, and some of us are on the other end. But the word of the Lord, the gospel, remains forever. Our bodies are bound to wither and die. Our glory is bound to fall away like flowers. But the word of the Lord remains forever. The gospel, the grace of God, remains forever. And if you have received the word of the Lord, you have received the imperishable seed, which is the grace of God all wrapped up in the good news of Jesus Christ. And therefore, you are born for eternity. And you are bound to live for eternity with eternal things. And that is the word of the Lord. And that's not just living forever, but living for our eternal, omnipotent Father. Living as He lives in the home that He is preparing for us. That's going to make all the wonderful things that we could imagine fall desperately short of what He's preparing for us. And what does living for that eternity look like? Well, I keep saying it's holy living, it's holy living, but what does it look like? Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Living for eternity, living for eternity looks like love. Now, to be clear, 
This is not the world's definition of love. Big surprise there. This is Christian love. This is a different brand of love than the world loves. This is a different kind of love. As Warren Wearsby wrote, Christian love is not a matter of feeling. It's a matter of will. Peter said, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Now, some of you have heard the discussion before about the different Greek words for love. And Peter uses two different words here that here in English, we just can't come up with a second one. We just say love and love again, brotherly love and love one another. Well, there are two different words in Greek and they mean different things. Peter uses Philadelphia and agapao, right? Impress your friends with that. They call Philadelphia the city of brotherly love because that's what it means. That's the Greek word, brotherly love. Siblingly love. Brotherly and sisterly love. Yeah. Siblingly. I don't, I don't even think you can find that in the dictionary. I think that's a new one. Yeah. Yeah, that's in the right. Anyway. Philadelphia, brotherly love, that is affection specifically for fellow believers in Christ. Not just your fellow man, not just your fellow people. It's your fellow believers in Christ. And it's to be sincere and genuine without pretense. J.P. Lang wrote, As natural relationship produces natural affection... So spiritual relationship produces spiritual affection. It is lasting because it emanates from an eternal source of life. Brotherly love must be the exponent of the nature, strength, and fruit of regeneration. What that sounds like to me, I don't know if it sounds this way to you, but brotherly love in this way is not possible unless we're born again. It's not possible without the love of Christ at work in our hearts because we have been made new by his spirit. Brotherly love is the love which God specially commands for us. In our self-centered times, it it is more important than ever to exercise this kind of love towards the church. God would have us cultivate this kind of brotherly love towards one another and so testify our love of God and prove it with evidence, not just words. When you say, I love my church family, does that just mean none of them really bug me that much? Like, I I love my church because our, our pews are comfortable and it's usually warm, usually. Loving the church takes the love of Christ in our hearts. And it's a lot more than just, I feel affection towards other people. Like, I can tolerate them because I only have to see them for a short time every week. Right? And, and then we're good. 
1 John 4, 19 through 21 says, We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother or sister in Christ. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. This is the beginning of holy living. It begins right here with us. John Calvin wrote, Nothing is more difficult than to love our neighbors in sincerity. And he's not wrong. For the love of ourselves rules, which is full of hypocrisy. And besides, any, everyone measures his love, which he shows to others, by his own advantage and not by the rule of doing good. How many times have we been guilty of expressing love or showing love to someone else so that we can get something done or get something from them? That's not the type of love Peter describes and the Holy Spirit commands through him. Not selfish love, but selfless love. Not hypocritical, not seeking our own advantage but sincere and genuine. Love for the brethren and sisterin. <laughs> That's the evidence of our regeneration, the evidence of our justification by faith, the evidence of our new birth. That's where this brotherhood flows from, our new birth. We don't love like the world loves because we're not like the world anymore. Remember that? Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. In light of our purification of soul through faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are made for brotherly love. Philadelphia. So, love one another. Agapao. Love one another from a pure heart. Now, this, this is a different word. We had Philadelphia, sib, siblingly love. It's not like I don't already have a hard enough time talking. <laughs> is it really? Siblingly, okay, well, congratulations, dictionary. I'm probably not going to keep using that word. Philadelphia, I can say that easier. Now we have agapao, which is a, a different type of thing. This kind of love, agapao, the selfless choice of will to prefer another above oneself, can only come from a changed heart. From, from a heart whose motives are pure and who seeks to give more than they take. This love is expressed deeply, earnestly, is what Peter says. Earnestly. And that means, it means at full stretch, the, the all out with in, intensity. It's, a, it's an athletic term. It's going all out. 
to love, to prefer someone else before yourself. Right? That, that's, do you hear feelings in there? Because I don't. It might feel good to love that way, I guess, but that's not the point. That's service. That's selflessness. That's, that's putting other people first. That's treating other people how you would like to be treated. Somebody said that once. It's written down. At full stretch, all out, with intense strain. Because we are born again of imperishable seed, born of God, we ought to live and love in a manner worthy of God. Love for our brothers and sisters in Christ at full stretch, all out. That's the evidence of our new birth. That is the first step in holy living. Everything else comes out of that. Johann Stark. Steiger wrote, the Christian loves primarily those in Christ, secondarily all those who might be in Christ, namely all men, everybody else. As Christ as man died for all, and he hopes that they too might become his Christian brethren. We start by loving the church, and then we love everybody else in hopes that they'll see Christ in us, that they'll see Christ in, in reality and their need for him and so become our brothers and sisters in Christ through faith in Jesus. So being children of God, we ought first to love our siblings. It is because we have been loved through the gospel that we're able to love one another. And we should do so more and more. This is the evidence of Christ at work in us. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass. And all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. That word, the gospel, the good news, is simply this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him will not perish, will have everlasting life. So, do you believe in him? Let's pray. Father, how can we ever thank you enough for the love that you have expressed to us in the life and death and resurrection of your son? Father, we admit that loving each other in this way is not easy. It doesn't come natural to us. We need your help. We need your spirit to work in us so that we can prefer one another above ourselves. That we can love and serve 
one another as you have loved us, that we can love like you love, sacrificially, putting the needs of others before our own. We can't do that on our own, Father. We need your help. Lord, we thank you for this reminder that our first and foremost duty as your children is to love like you love. Don't let us forget. Don't let us sink back into selfishness, putting our own needs before anybody else's. Help us love like you love. For we love you. Help us prove it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.